Okay, here we go. Welcome to Adventure's first teaching series of 2021, the original Big Ten. So, uh, a couple things on this. We we uh, decided to go ahead and cancel for this weekend just because we have so many people who are already having car troubles and the garage door frozen down and uh, kids with fevers and uh, all that kind of stuff. And it's going to be ridiculous. It's supposed to be like 23 below wind chill. So we're just taking the, uh, using the better part of discretion. Um, so we're filming this on the fly Saturday afternoon. So um, the points are not going to be up on the screen for you to see, but if you want to run over to Uversion, which is Y-O-U, the word version, B-E-R-S-I-O-N.com, you can look us up on there, Adventure Church, and you can find that and follow along there if you've never done that before. So we're still in our uh, series on the Ten Commandments, and today, this is an interesting commandment because this commandment today is the last of the commandments that mention God. So the first five mention God. The second five um, don't mention God specifically. The, 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 the first five are about us and God. The second five are about us and the people around us, how we should behave toward them. So it's kind of interesting. When you see uh, Moses and he's got the two big tablets, the ones on the left are about God. The ones on the right are about dealing with uh, our, our fellow man. Um, so that's the breakdown. Let's talk about this because this commandment literally has us in a national crisis today. Some stats for you today. Uh, in the United States in 2019, this is the most recent year that I could find data for, um, the number of kids in single-parent homes was just was nuts um by american american uh let's see was oops i lost my spot native american uh 52 percent of those kids are in single parent homes asian and pacific islander 15 percent black or african american 64 percent of those kids are in single parent homes hispanic or latino 42 percent non-hispanic white 24 percent non-defined mixed races 40% of those kids are in single-parent homes. Uh, Caucasian, 20.7% are in single-parent homes. On average, slightly more than one in three kids across the spectrum, one in three kids are living in a single-parent home. Now, let me give you a little bit more context for this. Um, in 2019, there were 15 million 15.76 million children living with their single mothers. There were two, excuse me, there were 3.23 million children living with their single fathers. Approximately 21,000 children under the age of one lived with their divorced single father. In 2017, 20% of children under 18 were living with single moms. 4% were living with single dads. 80% 86% of single-parent families in the U.S. are led by mothers. Also, this is heartbreaking, 57% of millennial mothers are single moms. The Pew Research Center found that in comparison, the United States, when compared against other countries around the world, 
with children living in single homes, we have more kids living in single-parent homes than any other country in the world. Now, I'm not disparaging single parents who, for whatever reason, find themselves having to solo parenting. I'm not disparaging them at all. Um, but I want to see the numbers because the numbers take the emotion out and just show us the raw problem because it is a problem and it's something that we have to deal with minus emotions and explanations to get a grasp on it. So with that as the backdrop for the fifth commandment, um, you'll see the fifth commandment is very commonly ignored, very commonly rejected out of hand. Now, let's read it. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. <clears throat> Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. So my first job pastoring, Steph and I, Steph and I were working at a uh, church where we'd taken over a youth ministry. So I was the youth pastor, and she was my right hand there as well. And in that youth group, we had 96 kids. 90 of those kids came from single-parent or blended homes. We only had six kids, which were actually two sets of three, that came from homes that had the original parents still together. And we noticed, actually Steph noticed from watching the kids, that when I taught the kids and I talked to them about God being a loving, heavenly father, that the kids lost interest. I mean, they just, they just became distracted. And I thought, what in the world is going on? Why does this happen? And she's the one who noticed that it was when we were talking about dads. Why were we losing control of them when we did that? It was because for 90 of those kids, a father was someone who hurt or abandoned mom. Uh, a father was someone who never paid child support. A father was someone who never interacted with or demonstrated love for the kids. A father was someone who was never involved in their life. So why would they care to have something like that on the eternal scale as well? See, human fathers set the stage for our relationship with a heavenly father. And that's problematic not just for the kids, but that's problematic for the whole society as well. Now, this is one of only two commandments that gives a reason for why we are to keep it, right? For why we're to observe it. He says, then you will live a long, full life in the land your Lord God is giving you. One of the great misunderstandings in Western Christianity is that we want to take everything in Scripture and we want to make it about us personally. We want to take it and we want to uh, make it all about us as individuals. I mean, I'll be real honest, we Western Christians are a bit narcissistic that way. Um, obviously, we should take Scripture and we should apply it into our daily lives. There's no question about that. That's absolutely what we should do. We should be applied into our thinking, into our behavior, into our choices, everything. But that's not always the context of a verse. This verse is a good case in point, that this is not just about us. See, many of us in Western culture, we read that second part of the fifth commandment, and you'll live, live long in, in the land and blah, blah, blah. We read that as some kind of a personal reward for honoring our parents, that we will personally live 
a long life. Now, some of our Bible translators through generations have inadvertently propagated that. One of my favorite translations to teach from is and will be for the foreseeable future, the New Living Translation. But in this case, it contributes to that selfish thinking. Listen to this. This is uh, the Exodus 20, verse 12, New Living Translation. Honor your father and mother. Then, if you do that, you will live a long, full life in the land your, the Lord your God is giving you. Now, we need to let the context explain that verse. Um, God is giving the Hebrew people a series of commands that will help them establish this radical, new, free society that they're going to they're gonna put into this new land that they're headed toward. And so while they all understand that, yes, it is up to me individually to obey these commandments, they also understood it collectively. I mean, they understood they were doing it for the sake of everyone in the country, not just themselves, and they understood they were doing it for their kids and their grandkids and their great-grandkids and so on. So they thought collectively in terms of more than just, oh, wow, I'm going to live a long life. See, the people who received this command did not hear that as an individual promise, saying, treat your mom and dad nice, you get to live forever. No, I know that was true at my house growing up. If I treated my mom and dad nice, that was good. They wouldn't kill me because they had the potential to do that. My dad was a big guy. He could have crushed me pretty easily. But that's not the context of the verse. That's completely a different thing. The reward is a national reward. It's about the people collectively in the new nation, not the individuals in the new nation. Essentially, this verse says, if you build your society in a way in which your children and your children's children honor their parents, your society will long survive in this new land. And the other side of that, then is if you build a society in which your children and your children's children do not honor their parents, then you are doomed to a national self-destruction. That's what this is about. See, the breakdown of the family is the guarantor of the breakdown of a society or of a nation or a nation or of a civilization. When the family breaks down, everything breaks down. So the Ten Commandments were a guide on how to establish a radical new society of free people. And where there is no respect for authority, freedom cannot long exist. So since the 1950s, we've seen that trend here in our country happen, where we're seeing the breakdown of the family. We're seeing the, uh, no one honoring their parents. Um, many date the, the beginning of this decline actually to a book written by a guy named Benjamin Spock, Dr. Benjamin Spock, who is not to be confused with Mr. Spock with the pointy ears from Star Trek. Two completely different people. Dr. Benjamin Spock was an American pediatrician who advocated for permissiveness with kids. Don't cramp their style. Let them be themselves. 
uh, and an expectation of instant gratification. In other words, if it makes them happy, let them do it. That was his philosophy of parenting. Footnote on that. His own kid, his own son was interviewed years later, and they asked him what it was like to be raised by the guy who wrote the book on parenting. And he said, I wasn't raised by the book. So it was a bad idea to start with. So here you and I are now. We're 75 years, or basically 75 years, where half a century, or three quarters of a century, after Dr. Spock's book, Take the Nation by Storm, and we find ourselves living in a land that many of us no longer recognize as a land of laws. Because this connection between honoring parents and maintaining civilization is no longer recognized. So following Benjamin Spock's parenting council, many of the best educated parents in the 50s and 60s and 70s did not believe that their children needed to honor them or to show them honor because honor replies someone is an authority figure and these people apparently had bad experiences with authority at some point and so they didn't want to be that negative person for their kids so they didn't require their kids to honor them or respect them and then to make it worse many of those parents sought to be loved rather than to be respected they were more concerned with being cool older friends than they were with being actual life role models hey listen let me drop a mind bomb on you. Pfft, ready? Did you know that nowhere in Scripture does it command you to love your parents? Think about that. Nowhere in Scripture does it say you have to love your mother and father. It tells us to love God, tells us to love our neighbor, tells us to love our enemies, tells us to love our spouse, tells us to even love strangers who are living around us. But never once does it say that we have to love our parents. Why? Well, I'm guessing that those who already love their parents don't need to be told to. I know that God never commands us to do the impossible. And I think God understands how emotionally troubled some of those relationships may be. I mean, there are some parents who honestly have behaved with evil. Um, they're not just annoying. They're not just dysfunctional. They don't just have social hang-ups. They're actually evil people. But the reality is most cases of parental failure do not rise to the level of evil. It's often, it's just a matter of ignorance. You know, I, I had a, a man tell me here a couple summers ago, he goes, I don't have a relationship with my 10-year-old son because I didn't have one with my dad. I don't know what that looks like. And as I quizzed him, I found out that his dad had no relationship with him. His dad had no relationship with him. His great-grandfather had no relationship with his grandfather. So sometimes it's just a matter of ignorance and that nobody has demonstrated to us how it looks, what it looks like. No one has showed us. I mean, it, it's a beautiful thing when you love your parents. But it's more important to honor your parents and to respect your parents and to obey parents than it is to love them because the moral, the moral success of society does not depend upon you loving your parents. It depends upon you understanding their authority. It depends upon us honoring our parents and understanding there is someone over the top of us. So the Bible never demands what might be psychologically um, or emotionally impossible. But what it does demand is that we are to show honor toward our parents. Now, 
Why is that honor important? And why did the Ten Commandments believe that a society could not survive with that commandment being violated? Now, I'll be real honest. I think we're proving, we're proving that point in our culture right now. Well, let's break this down. Number one, parents are expected to live in such a way that they can be honored. I mean, parents have got to live honorably. If you want your kids to honor you, live an honorable life. I mean, when parents don't, it's incredibly difficult, maybe even impossible for their kids to honor them if they've not lived honorably, if they've behaved dishonorably, if they act criminally, if they're physically, mentally, emotionally, sexually abusive, if, they are, if, if they're dysfunctional due to uh, an addiction or whatever, their own actions create barriers that block their kids from being obedient to this commandment. And it breaks down society even beyond their lifetime. Remember we talked about this when God says, I have observed the sins of the parents visit themselves onto the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. This is what we're talking about. This is that very thing. The sins of the parents are just repeated because that's what those kids learn. The Apostle Paul warned about this to new believers in his book, Ephesians, his letter to the Ephesians. Watch this. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Hey, and the truth is, honestly, few things make somebody more angry than being neglected or ignored, right? Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes, honestly, with involvement and from the Lord. Man, no generation in the history of this country uh, knows better the terrible consequences of growing up in a world where parents have lived less than honorably. 63% of youth suicides are from kids, are kids from fatherless homes. 90% of all homeless and runaway youth are, fatherless, are from fatherless homes. 85% of all children that exhibit behavioral disorders are from fatherless homes. 71% of all high school dropouts are from fatherless homes. 70% of juveniles in state-operated institutions are from fatherless homes. 75% of adolescent patients in substance abuse centers are from fatherless homes. Boys who are fatherless are three times more likely to go to jail than boys from intact families. Girls who do not have a father to honor are two times more likely to suffer from obesity. Girls who do not have a father to honor are four times more likely to get pregnant as teenagers. Even Sigmund Freud, the father of psychiatry, uh, an avowed atheist, theorized that one's own attitude towards one father, one's father shaped one's attitude toward God which is why he did not respect God. He did not respect his father. All right, second thing, number two. As children, honoring our parents is also for our own sake. We do it for our own sake. Why? A, it reminds us that we're accountable to someone higher than us. We are not the top of the food chain ever. We are not immune to accountability there needs to always be authority over us. And honoring our parents teaches us that there is moral authority above us to whom we are personally 
accountable. I mean, this is the only way to create and maintain a moral society. See, parents need to learn to say no and stay with it. That's part of being that moral authority. See, if the moral authority belongs to people who change their minds all the time because this day I have a headache, so I'm going to let my kids do it this day, but this day I don't have a headache, so I'm not going to let them do it. Or vice versa. I'm just based on how I feel, that's how I'm going to parent today. There's no stability in that. There's no safety for the society when whole classes of people parent by emotion rather than by what's best. One day, some religious hypocrites challenged Jesus about why his disciples weren't keeping their age-old traditions. And the problem was that the Jewish leaders over several generations had created their own traditions. They had continually added to Scripture what they thought needed to be done. And then they treated those things as laws, as if Moses had spoken them. And then what they did was they ignored what God had said so they could create a new law and supersede one of God's with it. That was not cool. Watch what Jesus said to him. He calls him out. and He actually uses uh, this commandment to call him out. Matthew 15, verse 3. Jesus replied, And why do you, by your traditions, violate the direct commandments of God? For instance, God says, honor your father and mother. But you say, it is all right for people to say to the parents, sorry, I can't help you for I vowed to give to God what I would have given to you. In this way, you say they don't need to honor their parents. And so you cancel the word of God for the sake of your own tradition. Listen, for the Ten Commandments, the ultimate moral authority absolutely is God, and he is way higher than parents. But the religious leaders had come in and said, you know what, I don't really want to help my parents, so I'm going to say I'm giving it to God. What they did was they came in and they undermined God and they attacked the very basic foundation of their own national security and then they were so blinded by pride that they couldn't even understand that they were at that time living in a failed state occupied by a conqueror. They couldn't even acknowledge that. That's how blinded they were. And so what Jesus is doing, he's reminding them of that horrible condition in which they are finding themselves as a nation with their loss of freedom and the, the presence of this invading army. And it was all because they failed to honor authority which would have been taught to them by honoring their parents. All right, B. It reminds us that we're accountable to both of our parents. Now, the, the Hebrew does something a little bit different than English on this, and I like it a lot. But this reminds us that we're accountable not just to mom, we're accountable not just to dad, we're accountable to both of them. Um, I've seen kids say horrible things to their moms that they would have never said in the presence of a grown man. I promise you that. Some of the modern translations do this very American-y thing uh, and miss the subtlety by lumping it together in collo colloquial terms. Exodus 20, verse 12, New Living Translation says, Honor your father and mother. They lump the parents together, and the wording almost makes it look like mom's an afterthought. Honor, honor your, your, your father. 
and mother. Um, like mom's the lesser of the two. I like the Hebrew translation better here. Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor thy father and who? Thy mother. So honor your father and your mother. It emphasizes the equal importance of both. One is not more important than the other. One's not less important than the other. In fact, there's a, a restatement of this in the book of Leviticus. And it even switches the order to show, hey, listen, there's equality in this. Leviticus 19.3, each of you must show great respect for your mother and your father. All right, C, it also models for my kids how to treat me. So our kids are going to do to us what they see us do to our parents, good or bad. I've seen people who trash their parents all their life in front of their kids. And then when the kids got older, guess what the kids did? The kids trashed them. And mom and dad are acting like, I have no idea what happened to my nice little angel. Now, that's, they're, they're doing what you raised them to do. Your kids will treat you the same way they see you treat your parents. Proverbs 22, 6. This is a sword that cuts both ways. Watch. Direct your children into the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. And it's also true, direct your children onto the wrong path, and they're really going to have a hard time leaving that. See, that doesn't mean you teach them the right things. It doesn't mean they're going to live them perfectly, but it means that it's going to be in their conscience. And so their conscience should bother them as they grow toward Christ. But beyond just saying it, honor your parents, beyond just saying, well, here's what I think you should do, how do we model it? I mean, talking about something without modeling it is useless, and modeling something without talking about it is useless. Watch this from Deuteronomy 6. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I have given you today. Listen. Repeat them again and again to your children. In other words, these need to be a normal part of your conversation with your kids. Hey, if you can't talk to your kids about spiritual things, you're parenting them wrong in the spiritual part. In fact, that's the most important part. You need to be able to have those spiritual conversations. I'm going on in the verse now. Talk about them when you are at home, when you are on the road, when you are going to bed, when you are getting up. He says, listen, these need to just be a part of whatever's going on in your day. You need to be comfortable talking to your kids about these things, these spiritual things, and your kids need to feel comfortable to come and talk to you about those things. See, as a nation, we have failed to do this for at least the last 75, 80, maybe up to 100 years. We have failed to teach children to honor their parents. And honestly, that cultural violation that we've got has brought us to the brink of a national crisis. All right, that brings me to number three. Honoring our parents is the best antidote to totalitarianism. Big word totalitarianism. I hear a lot of people worried about the direction the country's going. It doesn't matter who the president is. There's always going to be a bunch of people that are worried about it. But let me tell you some things. 
go back and study history. Go back and study the 20th century. Ah, you can even go back a little bit into the 19th century. Study totalitarian movements. What did the communists do? What did the socialists do? Look and see what they did before they took over and ruined countries. One of the first things totalitarian movements seek to do in their conquest is to break the bond between children and the honoring of parents. They want to violate that. They want to separate that. So the state takes over the education of the children, removing them from the home. They're indoctrinated with the goodness and the greatness of the state. Uh, they are indoctrinated with the notion that their parents may not be the best people, and any hint of religion is really a bad thing. It's a foolish thing. It's not real. It's not based in science. It's mythical. Or that parents who do not stand with the state are actually traitors. And the state then begins to teach children to distrust to hate, to report on their treasonous criminal parents, and the state usurps the role for whom should be receiving the honor. And it doesn't matter who it's been. It, it, every dictator in the history of the world, every evil king in the history of the world has done these same things. In 1933, Adolf Hitler said, if the older generation cannot get accustomed to us, we shall take their children away from them and rear them as needful to the fatherland. How long exactly does that process take? Vladimir Lenin said, give me four years to teach the children and the seed I have sown will never be uprooted. But you see, if children are taught from a young age to respect, to honor their parents who are living honorably, those totalitarian concepts become naturally repulsive to well-grounded children and to the people of that society. If I can go back to the negative aspect of this commandment. If you build a society in which your children and your children's children do not honor their parents, you are doomed to a national self-destruction. See, honoring parents is the first defense against tyranny, and we're failing. All right, conclusion. So in what ways may I honor my parents? The general rule is this, parents are special, so they must be honored in a unique way, must be respected and treated in a unique way. How can I do that? All right, my first suggestion, A, I can speak to them in a respectful manner. I mean, in its most basic form, I can make sure that I don't speak to them disrespectfully. I can make sure I don't speak to them sharply. I can make sure I don't speak to them necessarily in the same way that I speak to anybody else. For example, maybe there are certain words you can use around your friends that you should not be using around your parents. I would suggest you call them mom or dad and not by their first names. When you leave your home to go make your own home, maintain contact with them. I mean, having no contact with your parents is the exact opposite of honoring your parents. Let's say your parents are a challenge. 
if they were, if they continue to be cruel or abusive or manipulative or whatever, you can limit your contact. But God does not give you permission to break off that contact completely for long periods of time. You can limit it down, but you cannot cut it off. And if the part of the problem is that they like to fire barbs or make demands, just ignore those and do whatever you can to keep contact with them and uh, to be at peace with them. Watch this from Romans 12. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, even your difficult parents. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, here's my favorite part, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone, even your difficult parents. And you know what? I, we just went through an election. There may even be certain subjects upon which you disagree. You just quietly refuse to have those conversations about those things. Change the topic. All right, B. I can see that they're cared for. I can see that my parents are cared for. First Timothy chapter 5. Take care of any widow. By the way, this is, this is like one of the biggest, most important verses for uh, boomers to get right now. Take care of any widow who has no one else to care for her. But, listen up, if she has children or grandchildren, their first responsibility is to show godliness at home and repay their parents by taking care of them. This is something that pleases God. In other words, God says it is not okay for you to dump your parents onto society. It's your job first. When you can't handle it anymore, that's when society's to kick in. In fact, Paul actually makes taking care of your parents a hallmark of a Christian life. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8. But those who don't care for their relatives, especially those in their own household. So back then, you stacked a family. It was not uncommon to have three generations in a house. Uh, that's just how it worked. They don't have today, like, where you might have mom and dad and kids and grandkids and great-grandkids all living as adults on the same street uh, in different houses. No, they, they tended to bunch up to care for each other. So when he says uh, those in their own household, they're talking about your immediate family, even if you're not living with them. But those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their own households, have denied the truth. Now, listen, such people are worse than unbelievers. All right, so how do I care? Mow their yard if needed. Go weed their yard, help them have a nice-looking house. Help with their garden, or like this weekend, shovel their snow. And then as soon as you're done, shovel it again because it's blowing really hard, right? Help them with any house repairs. Help them find people or help them figure out a way to do it. In bad weather, make sure that their utilities are on. Make sure that they have groceries. Make sure that they have their medicines. 
check in with them regularly. Talk with them frequently to learn about how they're doing. Listen, we all recognize that some parents have behaved so cruelly, and I do mean cruelly, and, and, and I, don't, I don't mean they've done it unknowingly. They knew what they were doing. There's some parents have been like that, have been so evil that it, it's morally impossible to honor them because you simply can't be around their evil. And there are such cases, but I want to suggest to you, you're probably not having one of those cases. They're very rare. And don't assume that just because they're annoying that they're that case. And remember this. If your children see you honor your parents, no matter how challenging it can be at times, the chances are far greater that they will honor you when the time comes. And I'll close with this. The reality is, kids honoring parents who honor their parents, the future of the nation depends on it. We're where we are because we failed to teach that. And it's not just the nation we're in now, it's the nation that our great-grandchildren are going to be born into. All depends on all of us honoring and teaching honoring of parents. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity today to come and to continue studying in the, the Big Ten, the original Big Ten. Father, a lot of this stuff we're realizing with each of these lessons that here we've always thought we kept the Ten Commandments really well and it turns out maybe we've actually as we learn what each commandment means in detail, we've really blown these things regularly. Father, help us to measure our lives against your word and help us to make adjustments. Help us to change our thinking. Help us to change our behavior and our choices. Father, help us to honor you in all that we do. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.